It is eight minutes after eight o'clock on your Saturday morning here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com. Mostly cloudy skies. As we uh, mentioned earlier during the news, we had some very thick fog for a brief time early this morning. That appears to have lifted and we're looking at uh, mostly cloudy conditions for the rest of today. Of course, that uh, cloud cover can bring rain anytime that it wants. Uh, that's another uh, conversation for another time, though, as we get started here on Making Financial Sense. First off, of course, the introductions. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. He's Merle Kelch of Kelch & Associates. Glad to have you back in studio today. For it the- feels good. I'll have a couple weeks off after this, but uh feels good to be here. Indeed. It it, very, here. very good. And uh, it's uh, you know great to have you back as well. You're not remote. You're not... Uh, battling the bugs somewhere you're not uh battling the crowds to get a beer at uh at a, at a concert but yeah I, I boring yeah, bo- nice. yeah very boring day <laughs> however you did tell me that you've got some uh smoked meat on the grill right now um we did and so uh we've been gone so much with all the stuff that we invited the kids over and said hey come on over let's have some uh some food and so those that are available are coming over and so i am going to smoke a pork shoulder so for um, everybody show up at 205 wet. No, no, that's, not, that's, uh, that's my office address. So. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, uh, well, first off, uh, before we get uh, too deep into it, uh, Powerball, Mega Millions jackpot, obviously uh, rolling and growing rather large. And I know this is something that yeah, it's yeah. not the type of investment that you – condone but of course it is something that catches your attention every time it happens you know early on um in fact it was this program it was still wearing a thursday show so this goes back a lot of years um somebody called in and said so what should i do for my child for school they're going to go to school in about three years and i really don't have anything saved at this point in time what do i do and i said well buy 24 lottery tickets a week and they said, what? And I said, no, no, don't do that. It's just a joke. And then I said, later on, get a case of beer and drink it so you forget who told you has bad advice. Um, so the radio programs, folks, go through a compliance audit, and their auditors came through and said, you can't say that. I said, I told them it was a joke. So do not buy lottery tickets for a retirement plan, uh, by the way, folks. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you know, or measly uh, eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars for the Powerball yeah, it's tonight. It's high enough for me to do it. If it's only a hundred million, I don't even play. And uh, six hundred and forty <laughs> million dollars for Mega Millions uh, cash value on that, uh, roughly half or so, uh, because of course the cash value is the amount of money that's actually in the prize jackpot. Yeah, yeah. Well, the larger amount is what you would get with interest for taking the payments out over a period Mm -hmm. uh, of years. So, uh, but when you see something like this and, and, you know, people start asking you, hey, what should I do if I end up winning this? Because obviously, if you do win it, a call to somebody like you is probably about phone call number three uh, that you should make in in this situation. What is your advice uh, to these people? Um, you know, when this uh, somebody wins a big lottery like this, a big lottery, um, the first thing you do is you call AT&T and change your phone number. Mm-hmm. First thing right out the bat. Throw your phones out. Get a new phone number. Give it to nobody except maybe your spouse because you're going to find relatives you never knew as soon as somebody finds out that you actually want it. So mm-hmm. they're going to call that phone number. Uh, the next call goes to your attorney. You know, one of the reasons you see people waiting before they come back and say, hey, I won this lottery it's because somebody gave them good advice and they went through their attorney first. And so one of the first things you want to do is establish some trust, that type of stuff, so you have some protections right off the bat. 
um, getting some accounts opened up in which to accept the money, all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine the look on the local bank's face if you walk in and say, oh, I'm going to deposit this $85 million or $875 million. Um, well, their heart's probably going to drop and they'll fall over. So <laughs> there has to be a place that you have to accept that money. Afterwards, then you start having a conversation with a financial professional saying, how do I want to take income from this, which is what we're all going to do. Um, by the way, at $875 million, I'd guess that you'd have to limit yourself to about 750000 a month, something like that for income. But you might have to budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Now, but, it'll, it'll be a tight budget, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, the, the whole conversation comes is, what do we do then to derive income from those dollars and how do we do so? You know, there's an enormously wealthy person at one point in time by the name of Ross Perot. He took all of his money and all he bought was municipal bonds because it was tax-free. He didn't want to worry about the stress of anything. Mm-hmm. Now, the low interest on the municipal bonds at that time in his life was still a whole heck of a lot more income than he said he could spend. But he didn't have any federal income taxes as a result of it. So pretty smart ideas. So mm-hmm. in the middle of there, you'll start getting your team of attorneys, accountants, and uh, financial advisors together uh, to try to get all the stuff straightened out, put money in your pocket. Indeed. And, and of course, most importantly, to make sure that you don't find yourself uh, uh, in a worse situation 20 to 30 years down the road, because yeah, this yeah. is where you really have to be uh, playing the long game and make sure that you, I would say, learn how to say no occasionally, even and though it's probably the phone number. Yes. Even though it's probably going to strain some relationships, as you yeah, said, yeah. change the phone number. Yeah. It, so that that's something that, of course, everybody is going to be watching tonight. Of course, our chat is always a filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. So if you have a question for Merle, feel free to give us a call here, and we'd love to uh, chat on the air live with you. But, uh, Merle, uh, one of the things that you were saying this kind of ties into, and it's something we don't talk about very often on this show, is uh, you know how do you find fulfillment in retirement? Because obviously, if you end up taking home a payday like this, uh, the the natural instinct is going to be no matter what age you are is to retire and chances are there's a few decades you have to you have to fill in there. Well, believe it or not, a lot of people who win large lotteries end up broke uh, because they're just go crazy on what they're spending. Um, so rather than spending the growth on the money, they start spending all the money and buying all their friends all the stuff too. And uh, so along the way, talking to a financial professional is always a better way to do so to say okay. Um, are you going to spend all the principal? How much principal? What are you going to end up spending? Um, you know, my inclination would be is to buy a large boat that I can fish out of and just do that a long time. That'd be kind of nice. And by the way, you know, folks, we were talking off the break before. So uh, my wife said to me, she goes, if you win the lottery, um, you're going to retire. And I said, well, that sounds great, but let's define how much money we're going to win. <laughs> if it's, you know, 200 bucks, it's not going to quite cut it, you know. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's all about... Um, you know, balance and like anything else in life. Um, you see so many people that win $5 million and they'll go buy a $2 million house. Well, now you don't have enough money to be able to fund the house. So a lot of people miss some steps because they're somewhere along the way. They just go crazy and they end up broke. So planning for a long term. Now, if you want $875 million, I'm guessing you're going to be okay. Um, uh, but a lot of people end up broke. Uh, five, seven years after winning, they end up broke. Yeah, so that's why I've always said it, if it is something that I'm to actually luck into one day, you know, I'd probably still be I'd probably still be playing radio a few days a week. I don't know sure. that I could ever completely get away 
from this uh, this business and this industry. And well, we'd be here together. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, making financial sense with Merle Kelch though just may move to eleven a.m. on a Saturday Works morning. For me, we wouldn't <laughs> have to have disclaimers. Though we don't have a securities license anymore. We could have a lot more fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, last thing before we before we wrap up this segment, of course, we want to throw out there the uh, disclaimer of, as you mentioned, you had the disclaimer earlier, but it, in the case of the lottery, only it treat it like gambling, only put down as much money as you can afford to lose. Right. And not grumble. And not grumble. Indeed. Yes. So I've only got three sets of numbers for tonight. I'm, you know, not somebody who's going to go out there and suddenly. Is that a one, a five, and a ten? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not somebody that's going to go out there and, and, and spend, uh, you know, $10, $15 on tickets or so. Uh, because, of course, I buy too many sports tickets, and we all know that sports tickets haven't gotten any cheaper these days. Uh, the other thing, though, I way, the way I consider it, I, I always put down just a few bucks again here and there when the jackpots are rather large or I may be feeling lucky on a payday Friday. And I consider it a down payment then on my property taxes because, of course, here in Wisconsin, you get the lottery credit based on the lottery's profits for your property taxes. So I, I say that's a good way to look at it. Sure. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's a- Merle, of course, uh, it <laughs> considers it an investment. And no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's gambling. Your Indeed. Odds, your odds are much better at a blackjack table, I think. And, and, and I well, don't recommend doing that either. That's also not an investment. <laughs> In, indeed. Well, we will be back with more of your phone calls after this here on WSAU. It is 8.20 on this Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com. Cloudy skies outside the WSAU studios right now, and we're expecting that to stay that way for much of the rest of the day. We may have a few peaks of sun uh, over the noon hours. We are making financial sense with Merle Kelch, and Merle joining us live in the studio today. Once again, uh, Merle, I know... Your, your week is very busy, obviously. You, you've you got a lot of clients you got to take care of. You've got a lot of reading. You've got a lot of fishing that needs to be done. Um, so this week, I know a lot of the the, the chatter was, again, on that uh, dreaded R word, recession. Uh, what's, what is the feeling among the, uh, among the professionals, among the insiders, if yeah, you will? Yeah. So... Um- in here, one of my favorite economists, Brian Westbury from First Trust out of uh, Chicago, uh, one of my favorite economists, and he comes through and says, despite of what's happening inside of the marketplace, he feels though the marketplace is still overvalued and that there's a recession still coming. So he, like the rest of us, are waiting to see what happens with the profitability numbers, which we should start seeing these numbers coming out like next week, week after, coming from corporate America. So largely, folks, the markets have run up. So either for those individual companies, especially from the tech side of things, the profits either have to come up to meet that value of the stock that the market's giving it, or that value is going to come back down. And the same can be said for the markets itself. So in their capital profit models that they use for um, uh, Westbury, um, they're saying that the S&P 500 should be somewhere around 3,800, which means today it's overvalued a bit. Uh, and he still thinks that there's a recessionary period of time coming. Now, he wrote this article last week, Monday, prior to us seeing the CPI numbers and inflation numbers for the week. So it'll be interesting to see how he um, adjusts for that on Monday's uh, uh, thing. So 
essentially a lot of the economists that I like are saying that there's still um, a probability in a recession coming. Don't know the depth or how bad it's going to be or big or even when it's going to be. But um, the inflation certainly is still coming down, which is an important thing. Um, so with that, who knows what the depth of it could be. I still look at this, my opinion, and I don't know that I'm any smarter than the rest of them, but it's just the Merle Kelch gut feeling, for lack of a better thing. And, and I don't know if we hit this fabled soft landing that they talk about. At this point in time, it looks like it if we were to define one at least up to this uh, uh, this point in time. Yeah, and uh, that seems to be the kind of the sediment that I've been reading as well, is that we are in a, a kind of a period of, of great unknown, but there's no reason to, again, be pulling your money out of the markets, to be going and, you know, stockpiling that uh, emergency supply kit or things like that. The, the, the sky might fall, but we're all going to be okay. Um, maybe that's the way to say it. You know, the sky might fall, but we're going to be okay. You know, last year, largely, there were a lot of people just didn't know what was going on, and, and people panicked and sold out and that type of stuff. Uh, those that stayed back in have uh, won much of that back that was lost last year. Not all of it in many cases, but much of it. And and so as a result of it this year, um, we don't see a panic. But, again, we'll see a recessionary period of time. Um I read an article some time ago that talks about maybe the baby boomers and I'm sorry, the J, the millennials and not the boomers are expecting interest rates to drop. And that's why they're continuing to keep buying stuff uh, from a consumer standpoint, waiting for the interest rates to drop. Well, you know, if, if that's the case, I mean, interest rates may not come down until 24, maybe even 25, depending upon where um, uh, things fall out and lie from a recessionary period of time, growth, profit, M2, unemployment. You know, all that sort of stuff has still got to come into play before interest rates come down. I don't think we're in any sort of a near-term place with interest rates dropping. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. Uh, you mentioned all those economic indicators there. Of course, we are just starting the uh, is this the third quarter of the year already. It's already beginning. Already yeah. the third quarter. How many of those indicators uh, have we seen so far? And and again, uh, in reading the tea leaves there, uh, what, are, what are they showing, at least for things in the near term? Well, the part that's terrible about this is that the tea leaves say, say that things should be falling apart. Then the actual numbers come around and people go, hey, this is all right. I'm not saying that this is the world's greatest stuff, but we're rolling around saying, hey, it's all right. Though the tea leaves say the world's falling apart. And, well, the news says that, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but the world's falling apart. We're looking at going, oh, hey, we're doing okay. So, uh, again, every month we seem to have a little bit more clarity what's going on between inflation and, and everything else. But we're holding up pretty good. And here, again, my, my term, are we in this fabled soft landing recession versus, you know, shutting it off, cutting off, hit the bottoms, resetting and going back again? I don't know. It seems to be working, at least thus far. Well, we'll find out as time comes. Mm -hmm. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, one of the other things that was uh, rather interesting, actually, as I was reading things um, out of the Fed this week, uh, we again, we're waiting. I believe is it is it this coming week we are going to find out the Feds will meet and we'll find out if there's another interest rate hike, which uh, there could be. Is that this week, uh, this coming week, next week? You know, I think so. I uh, think. My calendar's all goofed off from being gone. <laughs> and, and then, folks, you know, I, I got to say, and, and hats off to mom, 
Uh, Mom has had her bucket list to take a trip to Alaska. So myself, my brother, of course, our our spouses and uh, some Uh other friends, we're taking Mom to Alaska next week, Friday. So I was driving Miss Daisy the whole day yesterday, getting ready to go for the trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my head has been into, you know, what do we need to do to get mom to Alaska on a <laughs> ship and a plane uh, hey. and that kind of stuff. So so I'm probably missing, but it's usually on a, on a Wednesday and Thursday. And I think next week is it generally about the third week of the month. Yeah. next Well, next week would be uh, the 19th and 20th. But, yes, that would be the third week of the month. But, hey, you're focusing on the important things, which is which is good. Uh, but anyway, the the Fed's uh, the beige book came out, and I'm sure uh, as Merle's looking at his calendar, we could probably figure out just exactly what the beige book is. But the Fed's actually it's a book that's actually colored beige. It really is, huh? So uh, the Fed's actually credited. Uh, we found out the Feds are Swifties this week. Did you know this? The Feds actually have credited Taylor Swift in her Eras tour with helping drive certain sectors of the economy, specifically uh, the hotel, you know, housing, hospitality industries, because so many people have been traveling to see her era's tour. There's a, um, I remember estimates that she may end up grossing near a billion dollars on this tour. That's not how much she'll take home herself, but I mean, how much her tour is going to be. And then you get into the cities where she's going to be, it gets an economic multiplier effect and grows even further. So she has so many people going to her shows. By the way, FMOC, the feds, um, meeting on the 25th and 26th. 25th so, and 26th. Yeah. All right. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, she's uh, you know, having an economic effect all on her own, almost like, almost like Gates and Musk when they say something, you know, same uh, type of principle. Yeah, and, 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 again, you can't discount this because I know, I know people that have gone to see this tour in – three or four different markets and each and every one of them traveled out of state to do it. I I've got a high school classmate that went to Las Vegas. Um, for those of you that watch TV in this market, uh, Sadie Fisher, WAOW, she went down to Chicago to, uh, to see the tour. I've got people who traveled to Kansas city on my friends list. I'm sure actually, you know, it's probably the same with you because each and every one of these shows, has you mean been people in... was on come hear me speak? <laughs> oh no, not the same thing. Well, each and every one of these shows has been in an NFL stadium, and each and every one has been a sellout over multiple days. So yeah. chances are pretty good you know somebody who has experienced this. You know, God bless her. She's selling a lot of tickets. She's uh, spreading a lot of joy. She's not necessarily my kind of music, but um, <laughs> um, but you know, she's selling tickets out there, and good for her. Indeed, seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. I want to try and make some financial sense. Uh, Perfect. Okay. The four four percent inflation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this a play on numbers? Because if if four percent of a good purchased three years ago would be 4% inflation. 4% on a good that's doubled in price in the last two years is more than 4%. It is more like 16% because the, the widget that you bought two years ago was this, was this low, and now it's high, and now you put 4% on that. So the, so the price of that is actually going up more than 4%. It's going up 10%. Well, well, you're right in that sense. Um, 
what they're looking at from the Federal Reserve standpoint and the, the economy standpoint is they're looking at an aggregate of a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, a lot of times they just simply have a basket of goods that they measure. So it stays, tries to keep some consistency to it. I mean, boy, we could look at some things like eggs. They were up three and 400% at one point in time. Now have fallen back. So individual items certainly have inflated considerably higher. Because I don't see anything at the um, at the, your local Fleet Farm Menards um, uh, John Deere dealership parts uh, grocery store. There's nothing that only went up four percent last month. Yeah. Well, you know, you, when you think about up, it, like, um, if we look at where it was two years ago, three years ago, we're inflated to such a point it's not going to come back there. Um, right. But they're looking at um, how fast does it continue to keep escalating, and that's the measure that they're doing. But isn't the four percent really sixteen percent or twenty percent, depending on the item you buy? Uh, depending on the item you buy, it certainly could be. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, yeah. So, again, they're looking at an aggregate or a basket of items. Um, in fact, at some particular point in time, you can actually find the basket of items if you really want to look. So when they're looking at the 4%, they're saying of this basket of items that we continue to keep measuring, it's only up 4% using your example. Um, as where we could take a look at individual items and see there are a whole heck of a lot more money if they're going up. Uh, boy, if we look at wood during the uh, uh, pandemic, we can see how much that went up in value. Though it's come back, um, uh, we can see how much that came up. It was much more than a 4% or whatever inflation was at that time. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing, you, you mentioned wood there. Uh, during that uh, during the pandemic, there was also significant number of fires that were going on in certain parts of the country, especially Oregon, Washington. That can also have an impact on the price sure. of you know, your two by four or two by six at your local uh, lumber yard. So I think uh, what you're trying to say there is there's a lot of factors that uh, that come into play. So really, when we're talking about some of these numbers, uh, sometimes it's an average instead of taking a look at the one specific item that may have jumped up in price three or four hundred percent. You know, I you know, just for an example, I held on to six two by fours that I had eight footers. They've been sitting in my garage since the beginning of the pandemic. I held them in there in case you needed to trade it for a new car. <laughs> and uh, you know now they're back down to two fifty two by four. So well, you know I don't need to keep them anymore. So there's inflation in itself. Indeed, he's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSAU. We'll have more coming up after this. Eight thirty seven on your Saturday morning on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSAU. On our way to a high of eighty three, mostly cloudy skies outside the WSAU studios right now. As we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Merle, we got you back in studio today i'm here again. did you miss me of course all right of course what do i always say this is the best part of my broadcast well, it week. is and, so. and uh you really need to get out more just saying um that this is the best you know best part of your week broadcast week. oh i see okay, there we go gotcha. work week if you will <laughs> so our friend alan hogeman is going to be here for the next yes. two weeks um uh, sitting in so get your questions about estates tax trust all that sort of stuff see if you can stump the attorney um i'm sure alan's going to go oh great thanks buddy um so we'll come through so I got to tell a story, and it pops into this article that we had have. Um, long ago, I had a practice down in Milwaukee. And in there, we had a client who uh, decided that when he retired, he's just going to sell everything and move to Florida because he likes the ocean, likes the water, and he just wants to move to Florida and live on a boat. Yeah, that, that makes so he sense. Does. So he sells everything in Milwaukee. Um, and matter of fact, the reason I still have a securities license today is, is because of him. So he moves down to Florida. I forget which city it was. He buys a boat, puts it on the water, decides he's going to live on the water. And then after about a month, he realizes he has seasickness so bad he can't even stay on the boat. And he's like, oh, man. So 
we came back and we you know made the joke with him and he later on bought a condo in a water in, in, in Milwaukee and moved back home um, because they always like being on the water in Lake Michigan. Well, the waves are a little bit different in the two places. <laughs> right. So anyway, we made the term and, and by his grace and, humor, grace and humor, we started calling, maybe I need to practice retirement ahead of time. And so with it, we would go through and, and there's a number of articles, the thing that popped up talking about doing things and practicing during retirement that are non-financial. Uh, because it makes sense. And so there's an article that pops up today and a pretty good one. Um, so I'm recommending it for you guys for a read if you're out there. It's by Chris Farrell. It says, we all need purpose when we wake up in the morning. Finding a meaning in retirement leads to happiness and health. Well, it's true. I mean, what do we do when we retire? You think, okay, so Friday night, you retire, you have your last day of work, you have a party on Friday night, maybe another one on Saturday night. Well, if your retirement then starts out on Monday morning, it says, you know, 7 o'clock, wake up, 7.30, martini. Maybe that's not the, <laughs> the way to start it out. Maybe right. we do something a little bit better along the way. And so, you know, we have this, this article in here, and, and some of the stuff that pops in not only in this article but in others that we've read is, you know, uh, where are you going to retire? Uh, you know, are you going to go to Florida during retirement? So um, I find out that I really don't like Florida much. My wife loves it down there, more for the weather and everything, and she has family there and that type of thing, but I really don't like Florida much. Don't get me wrong. I can't complain about the weather in January and February. But for the rest of the time, I just don't need to be there. It's hot. There's too many, tra too much traffic. Um, I don't speak the local language. Um, so it's just kind of crazy being down in Florida. So we've practiced that. So we know that we do not need to buy a house in Florida. It doesn't really work for Merle. Um, but we've practiced that. And so other people say the same thing. Not only that, but let's say you decide that you want to live in Florida or Arizona or some of the warmer states. Um, what are you going to do while you're there? Are you just going to stay outside in the backyard? Are you going to do some things in a civic type of way? Uh, what about churches? And so the conversation would be is, is go there and uh, join a church or a synagogue, whatever the case may be, and, and get to know some people in the area that you're at, uh, perhaps Rotary or um, Elks Club or Lions Club or Eagles or something of this nature, and, and practice the retirement wherever you are to make sure there's a place that you want to go, things that you want to see. Um, uh, is the fishing good where you like to be, or is it fishing that's different? Um, humorous story, my uncle, huge fisherman, um, sells everything, moves down to New Orleans, actually Slidell on the north side of the lake. And uh, we love going down to visit him, and he loves fishing. He heard how good the fishing, fishing was, so he'd go to the side of the bank, he'd go fish, he'd take his muskie rods with him, and he throws the muskie lure out with a big live shrimp on it, and something bites onto his fish, and it just takes everything. All the line, the pole, everything just took it right with him, and <laughs> <laughs> the guys with him said, yeah, you're, that's, throw out that stuff that's not big enough. Um, so he had to go out and get ocean reels because his musky rods weren't big enough for <laughs> right. the stuff he was catching. So then he had better success later on. So. Did he ever figure out what it was that he had on the line? Did he have I, a, a marlin or, a, or no, something like No, I think like they that. said it was a, a Jack Cravel, I think, is okay. the term. And I, I, I don't, I'm not an expert at that, but I think that's what he said. And uh, once they get on, it doesn't matter what you have. They're just taking it all. Well, he couldn't hang on to the pole and hold on to it enough before the line snapped sure. and took the pole, too. Yeah. So I think that's pretty humorous. So lots of information that's out there as far as getting into it. But one of the biggest things, and I, I hear this from some clients who are you know older in years and at home, they talk about loneliness, uh, just being lonely because you're at home most of the time by yourself doing different things. And TV can only supply enough uh, uh, entertainment in your life and mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, what they're saying is, is to get out and to do some sort of things. Um, you know, join a civic organization. Of course, they're using Rotary as their uh, example in here in this article. But uh, doing stuff more with kids and that type of stuff and neighbors and, and getting around. 
We've had a couple of our clients over the years that have said they moved into a retirement home. You know, one where they have somebody there and staff and a meal. And they preferred that versus being inside of their house, not necessarily because it was uh, they had to pay for it per se, but because they had a lot of people in similar situations around them. And so they were able to make friends of the neighbor and the person next door. Maybe that's something that uh, comes into play um, at some point in time too. Now I have to pick on mom yesterday. We're driving around and I told my mom something and she'd forgotten it. So I gave her a hard time. I said, are you really, you know, is this going? She goes, who are you? <laughs> and then she just started laughing. And so love you, mom. That was just hilarious. Indeed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and, you know, you're, you're one of the things I'm hearing as you're, you're explaining all of this. Um, this is the first time that for a lot of people are going to be going through something like this. Now, obviously, experience is one of the best teachers. You know, I buy the house for the first time, not exactly knowing what I'm getting into, had somebody to help me guide through the process. Now I actually know what it's like. Coming up to retirement like this, this is something that you're experiencing for the first time at, you know, 65, 70, 72, whatever age it's going to be. And there's really no playbook for how to go through that something like this. You've got to be able to have somebody to have those conversations with to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about where you want to live, what you'd like to be doing, sure. what you might want to be getting involved in? You want to have these conversations before it's too late. Yeah, and, and you know, Americans are terrible about this. Um, we're really good at creating wealth. I mean, that's what we do in America is we sell at it. But we're really terrible at telling the next generation. You know, you think about this 150 years ago, if you wanted to know something, um, if you couldn't find a book, you had to ask somebody who was older than you. When I was a young man, my dad used to tell me, Grandpa Fitch, who lived next door, and my brother now owns a lot, has a house on it that he used to live in. He said, listen to him, because that's where you learn stuff is by talking to older people. And, and I never forgot that. And I always respected that standpoint, because there's information and insight you're never going to get because we're too young. But, you know... Native communities, not only Native American, but Native communities, whether it's you know African tribes from people that I've talked to there, being being there, um, friends of mine who were um, <clears throat> different sort of uh, ethnicities and this kind of stuff, they all have either you know books or conversations from the older telling the younger. We we've missed that as just Main Street Americans. We miss a lot of that stuff. We miss a lot of the wisdom that comes from the older to the younger. And boy, think how beneficial that would be. You know, if you have somebody or a mom and dad have been successfully retired sharing how they did that with the younger kids. And I think we missed that. And if we did, I think we'd be a better society as a result of that. You know, I hope to pass on a lot of the stuff that I've learned to uh, my kids and my grandkids. The unfortunate part is probably going to be practical jokes and uh, that type of stuff. But, uh, but you know, it's the things we have to teach, we have to learn and, and give our experiences coming down. It only becomes beneficial as a result of doing so. So in my industry, you know, I see people who are retired, and I call retired successfully. That doesn't mean they have the most money, folks. It just simply means that they have enough money to carry on their lifestyle once they stop working. That's retirement success, in my opinion. Don't have to be a multimillionaire. Just have to be able to live on that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of it, and there's a lot of consistencies that happen with that. So in my experience, I can honestly say it's never the people who made the most money during working years that had the best retirements when they retired. It's kind of interesting to me. It's not, never is. But it's usually the people who saved the best during their working years and had a reasonable lifestyle that ended up uh, retiring the most successfully. You know, we have clients that have made hundreds of thousands of dollars over years and years and years of retirement, 
they retire, and then all of a sudden they just spend all the money that they had had on, in my opinion, stuff they really didn't need to begin with. And they find themselves going, well, geez, I'm just really struggling. I'm really not making that money like I did before. Well, you were never going to because you never saved enough to be able to hit that lifestyle. And then we have some clients that uh, just recently retired um, and uh, more money than they need to retire at the lifestyle they want in, 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 in by multiples. Um, and along the way, um, you know, he said, well, well, we saved. He said, but I never really like to spend a lot of money. And though his income was tremendous, um, his last car, he paid $3,000 for a used Prius. And now that he retired, he said, I might step it up and look for a $5,000 Prius, <laughs> Prius and sell this one. Now, because this was this is spending. Yeah. So, um, but it's an interesting um, uh, way to look at things that we don't get that information from the older to the younger as we used to before. Um, I know some books that were written that were out there probably help interject that, but the best way is to talk with family members that have had that success. One of my favorite speakers that's out there, uh, I shouldn't say out there, he's long since passed now, Jim Rohn, said, I wish I could have a seminar and I would take it and pay happily for people who sucked at retirement and terrible and didn't do anything right and didn't make it, and they couldn't retire. I wish I could have a seminar how to do that. Then I would know what know what to avoid. And I thought, <laughs> right? huh, that kind of makes sense. Um, but, the, you know, the biggest things are the people who saved and were conservative um, and didn't do a lot of wild stuff, and uh, uh, they tended to retire successfully. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll be back to wrap up this week's show after this. But first, here's Chris Conley with this day. Final segment here on Making Financial Sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. We still have time for a couple of your phone calls. So if you have a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. Again, that's 715-845-2155. We'll be happy to connect you uh, with Merle. And uh, obviously, Merle, we've been talking a lot about retirement today. Now, we didn't exactly, you know, on-air staff meeting, we didn't exactly plan that we were going to spend time talking about what you do in retirement and things like that. But yeah. but that's the way it's it's been. That's a beautiful thing. You start with an article and you let the article yeah. run. And, 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 of course, the, the Powerball, the Mega Millions, and what happens when you retire early like that. Uh, you know, for somebody like me, again, you mentioned these conversations that you want to be having. Um, and whether it's because, you know, I'm now in this capacity and I have these conversations with somebody like you every week or it's just because I realize now that uh, especially starting on Monday when I add one <clears throat> to my age um, and I'm pushing 40 now and as much as I hate to admit that, but yes, these things do need to be thought of. I, I, I start thinking, okay, somebody like me, am I doing enough right now, saving 8% of my income and putting that away for retirement, putting some of it away in a Roth IRA, things like that. What else, you know, am I doing enough? What else should I be doing to get ready for something like There's this? There's a book that's out there, um, and it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And I can't think of the offer at the top of my head. It starts with a C. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. It's probably one of the easiest reads. You'll be able to read it in an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but it teaches you the real fast basics about saving, which I think are absolutely tremendous, and they work, uh, work well. Um, and in here, they say that we save 10% um, uh, of our money for tithing. 10 for growth and 10 for income, which we're saving 30% of our income. We look and say, oh, man, that's a lot of money that we're putting away and saving. 
Um, now, as the years come along, I've, I've been a big fan of trying to save about 20%. And so I try to do that. I've tried to do that for a long time. Um, and, and it makes a real big difference because now you have money for an opportunity that pops up. We can look at our 401k and we're putting that money away and you're putting it away systematically. It's working out great. But now if you take the 8% that you're putting in there, um, you got that, so you're about halfway there. Now if you take another 10% and you just start putting it away in investments or something of that nature, and now an opportunity pops up um, for an asset, a business deal, or something else that might come up, a new house that comes around, now you have the money there to do it. And that leverages to make all the difference. Um, when I did that, we had the ability to start buying some investments and in stock in this one company a long time ago. And uh, in buying that, we had to do it. We bought it. Um, it worked out really well. It ran up huge in, in that whole bit. And it allowed me to leverage doing this industry for myself and business for myself, which in this business, when you start out for yourself, folks, you don't start out immediately rich. You start out immediately poor. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, you start making some money. Um, uh, but it allowed me to leverage and do that just because I had put that extra money away to uh, have that money sitting there and a nest egg when that opportunity popped itself up. Now, what's interesting about this, and still to this day I'm not allowed to do it, um, at that point in time we had the electrical power come off the side of the house or pulling the meter off. And my wife at the time says, what's happening? I said, oh, we got the money for this. She goes, why are they shutting it off? I said, well, I put the money in the investments first. <laughs> So that was the last day I paid the electric bill. And, folks, to this day, I still don't pay the electric bill. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I invest first and then spend the difference. Right. Um, um, uh, versus the other way around. So, well, now, I, you know, I, I'm blessed to have people that do that stuff. And I don't have to, I don't pay those bills anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they just won't let me. Uh, right. But that's the biggest thing. You know, spend for, uh, save first. Spend the difference. But save that money for uh, thing. But. Read that book. There's your uh, goal for the next two weeks. Absolutely. Richest man in Babylon. I'll buy it for you. All right. Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll find it somewhere. Yes, indeed. Perfect. And uh, you know, people all also look at okay, eight percent now. Should it maybe be ten percent in a couple of years? If I've got it's a big change to my income, what should I do with that? Because obviously, you're you're making you're making do with what you've got right now. So if you end up say maybe getting a raise, getting a new job, something like that, where that's going to significantly change your income. What should you maybe look at changing in that if that happens? Well, you know, the the biggest thing is you have to have some money behind you if you do change jobs from one to another because there's obviously going to be a month where it's going to be tighter. You're going to miss oh, yeah. paychecks. So you got to have some of that money sitting behind. Um, how much the general consensus is about six months worth of living expenses you want to have in cash or near cash or something you can get quick access to if you need to. So you have to have that as like a, a basic background. Um, but you know, the biggest thing always is to put some money inside of savings and, and continue to keep going. 401ks are a great example of that. In fact, uh, my wife and I, we've got, uh, well, my stepdaughters, her daughters, twins. They graduated, went to school as RNs. And I've used their example on here before. Thank God they don't listen to the station. They'd probably start you know, beating me up for it. Well, one <laughs> of them, I said when first, she first started working, I said, you have to put 10000 in your 401k. She said, oh, okay. So she did it the other way. The other one says, eh, you're BSing me. That's not really true. I don't have to do that. Well, what's interesting is one who did put the money away then had money for down payments and houses and that kind of stuff went through, was able to access some of that and had some money in that whole bit. And the one who didn't save went, well, how come I don't have that? Because you didn't listen to me. Yeah, again, perfect example right yeah. there. Well, like I told them, I said, you know, now you're going to make 50000 a year. How much you make last year? Well, nothing. Well, great. Then you're not going to miss it. Put 10000 a year away. Mm-hmm. Um, one did, one didn't. And so the story of two worlds. Yeah. 
Yeah, indeed. And and having uh, those assets like that, you know, the the liquid assets be that uh, something that you can access very quickly, obviously, is important if, you know, you end up having an emergency situation, too. And then there's $10,000 that you've got to help you out there. Yep, that's exactly the point. Well, Merle, uh, if we've uh, s- sparked a uh, an idea in somebody, somebody wants to have a conversation about this, maybe they want to start getting and in- start investing. For the first time, how do they get a hold of uh, hold of you here in Wausau? Well, folks, you can find us, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Yes, we will still be here next week. Uh, 3rd Avenue and Wausau, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop on in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee, say hello, hi. Um, you can find us or, or call us, 715-849-3600 locally. Outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100, or you can find us at kelginassociates.com. Well, Merle, we always appreciate the time, and uh, we we'll look forward to chatting again in... It's probably going to be about three weeks. Three again, weeks, yeah. again, these uh, summer schedules get uh, they get pretty busy. They get pretty crowded. It might actually be four weeks. I don't know. We've got to talk about that. The off-air staff meeting, which will occur uh, after we get the Fox News headlines on the air. But nonetheless, uh, always appreciate uh, talking with you. Always appreciate the insight. We'll look forward to chatting again uh, in the near future. He's Merle Kelch. We've been making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, you can hear back the show uh, later today at WSAU.com under podcasts. And uh, again, look forward to chatting again in a few weeks. Later on today here on WSAU, Milwaukee Brewers baseball. The Brewers coming off a 1-0 win over Cincinnati yesterday. They'll look to extend the second-half win streak to two games today as they take on the Reds again at Great American Ballpark. We'll have the coverage starting at about 535 with the pregame show. First pitch just after 610 here on WSAU. should join us later today for Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Fox News headlines are coming up next here on WSAU.